Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me, See Me. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts for Hear Me, See Me podcast. And um, I love to highlight sort of people that are passionate about what they do. And I can't think of anyone more passionate um, about this gentleman, and I'm going to introduce him as the B-Man, and um, I'll, let, I'll let him explain why, because he's much better equipped to explain than me. Um, today I'm talking to Kim Burnham. How are you doing, sir? Hi, hi Stuart. Hello. I'm doing really well, really well. Um, it's just one of those things. Thank you so much for uh, the invite to uh, get to talk about all things B. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's something that I think the public are getting aware of the importance of it, but they need you know we need people like you to explain it and to explain it more fully. Absolutely. Um, I just want to go just a little bit further than what you hear on 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 the media. Um, mm. You know, I want to talk about you know bees. You know, but we got to go behind beyond you know that that twenty second soundbite. Yeah. So we need to talk about the wild pollinators more than we need to talk about honeybees. Right. And so, I guess let's let's just uh, let's just dive in. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's just let's just take a dive and and see where yeah. we go, guys. This is yeah. just yeah. something as unfamiliar to me. So. You know, there's going to be a few pauses, but hey, you know, oh, that's let's, fine. Uh, let's just do what we can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's take it from the beginning. Um, just a little bit of a backstory. Um, I wanted to have a, a a project that my son and I could could do together. He was struggling a little bit with uh, with with school at the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm my uh, his mother and I had had separated some time before that. Mm. And I, so I wanted to have a little bit that he and I could do together, um, and so we came up with uh, with, with you know this uh, doing doing work with the bees. So we wanted to yeah. um, do a science project, and, and we 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 did we did we ended up putting a a, uh, a hive on our on our porch. Now right. many will go, oh my, why did you do that? <laughs> you know what? It was the most interesting and fantastic experience. Yeah. Um, I managed the hives for, for about two years. 
Um, but it was, it was that opportunity to do this work with, with Sam, my son, who's also, yeah. also my partner in the business. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to take a, a, a little bit wider view of that. Now, the business actually consists of two parts. It, it's, there's a, a skincare business which has come out of, of, of uh, the, you know, working with the, working with the, the honeybees. And yeah. then there's also the science, or, or what we call the science, um, and the, and that's basically working with with uh, country parks such as Langdon Hills uh, mm. Country Park and and Watt Tyler um, Country Park as well. And yeah. basically, what we do with them, and let's just focus on that just for a minute. What we do yeah. with them is is that uh, um, we're working we're working to put together a, a concept or a process um, to, uh, to be able to manage your honeybees alongside mm. your wild pollinators. And you, you ask why, and that's a natural question to ask. Yeah. Um, it's because the, you know, our government is, is going along and, and developing brown sites, mostly green sites. So all that's going to be left for our pollinators it's going to be these country parks in the, in, you know, in, in, in the end, that's what's going to happen. We're not mm. going to have vast areas where they can, they can roam and get their food as they, as they need it and, and form, um, in the, in the groups that they, that they have done in the past. So the bottom line is that what we're, what we're trying to do is work out a way to, uh, to be able to, um, raise a commercial crop of honeybees um, and take a commercial crop of honey, I should say, um, and after that, still be able to have a grown, thriving um, population of wild um, pollinators, everything, everything from, from uh, um, you know, a variety of butterflies, so uh, um, peacocks, Peacocks, blues, um, admirals. There's a whole variety of, of of butterflies that we see, not on a yeah. daily basis, because some, like the grizzled skipper, are are very, very um, uh, unique and and also very rare. Um, right. I, I don't think there's very many uh, sites for the for the grizzled skipper, for instance. Um, hmm. And I'm. I'm Basically, it, it basically, I'm not able to actually say exactly where they're located um, mm. because people do come and collect them. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, please don't say. <laughs> so, so the actual site, uh, yeah. just general area, is all I'll, I'll, I'll actually talk about. But yeah. on, on top of that, on, on top of it, there's shrill carbies. Um, there's just a, a plethora of, of different types of, uh, of insects that are so unique to these environments. Mm. And so essentially we're, our habitats are being eroded and, and mm. eroded quite quickly. You know, you have the farmers yeah. on one hand, and, and no disrespect to the farmers, but they're, they're removing their, uh, uh, you, know, you know, their hedgerows and all these other things, of course, mm. because... Price is being driven down, so they need to be able to produce more to actually make the living that they, they that that they they require. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I respect that. Don't don't misunderstand yeah. me at all. But the the fact of the matter is, these pollinators all have have persisted by being able to get to, to duck into the hedgerow and get what they need, um, or go to the to the to the cross and get and get what they need from that. Now bear in mind that when when you do a commercial crop, it basically provides food for the environment. Um, for about 10 to, to 20 days, just depending on the type of crop, um, mm-hmm. whether it's forage or, or you know, um, it, it, whether it's peas, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. They're only available for a short period of time, and then the land is being managed, um, and so it will no longer be available to them to take any, any food from. And so we have vast tracts that are being created um, to be able to accommodate what we we feel we need. Hmm. Um, so that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation, of course, um, it, it, we have so much building that's happening on, on various sites where essentially SSI rated or, or what could potentially have been SSI rated land um, is being is, is, is basically being taken and re, repurposed and, and then used in, in building. Now, again, I don't have anything against because people need a place to live. Yeah. But the consequence is that the pollinators, they don't just move, you know, some, there are some bumblebee types, for instance, um, that actually won't, don't go any further than, than about 100 meters away from their nest. Right. Okay. So you bear, so, Bear that in mind that, uh, yeah. that the bumblebees, for instance, have uh, some of them have a very very short range that they that they they live in. Um, now let's let's take a, a, a step back from that, and then yeah. the largest social group of of a, of a bumblebee, for instance, is around two hundred adults. Right. Now now you then you take the honeybee. Um, yeah. And let me make a very strong distinction here. Uh, yeah. Wild pollinators do not have any support. They live and die by the way nature is. Um, where the honeybee is actually more of a managed crop, um, in the same way that you would manage pigs and cows. Um, when they're sick, you give them medicine. When you, you know, yeah. when they need things, you do do things to make the right environment for them. Um, so they're managed, and therefore, um, because they're managed, I can say, for instance, we have under manage, management about, about 10 million bees, a little bit more than that, but that'll, that, that, that number will kind of make some sense. Uh, there's yeah. 10 million, 10, we have 10 million bees. That sounds like a lot, but it's actually for even a small holding, um, that's not very much. They're, right. they're places with, you know, 100 hives, some of them go up to 4,000 highs. And I'm not going to get into the rights and wrongs of, of the, bee, the bee farming community. I have my yeah. opinions. And by the yeah. way, I do, I do want to take a, and, and, and make a, a further statement on that, is yeah. that my views are very much, um, you know, you know on, on the extreme side. Uh, okay. So, so anyone, anyone that has an, has an issue, please come to me. Um, yeah. And I'll and I'll happily discuss it with you, but don't bombard Stuart with uh, 
Uh, lots, of, lots of lots of opinions, technical technical issues. It's no worry, don't worry. Like, there's more than welcome to, it, and I just put them straight onto you. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so the bottom line, the bottom line is yeah. that uh, um, the, the the honeybees are actually they're managed, and, yeah. and what that means is, if I lost all my honeybees, I could replace them three, four times over within two weeks um, during the season. That, it, it, that would not be an issue. And I could, if, if I wanted to, I could get them from Australia, if, uh, you know, or within the U.K. or within Europe, you know. So there are places where the honeybees are more threatened, um, and and I'm not going to go into the cause and effects for that. Yeah. But there are some, but, but within within Europe and within within the U.K., especially within the U.K., um, I, I don't see a threatened species here. I see, I, I see a very a thriving managed um, group of, or set of livestock is, mm. is what I see. Um, and so let's just leave that as, in, in the background. Let's come back mm. to, the, to the fact that, that bumblebees, for instance, group um, in, in their, their, their social group is, is about 200 adults. Right. Um, and the smallest hives for honeybees, um, you know, that, that are being used for, for honey production, um, will be, a, 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 say, a national, which is around thirty to 40,000 bees. Right. Um, and, and then it goes on through various there's commercials. There's all sorts of different types, and, and then there's different, different other different processes within the, mm. within the, the the hives as well. But um, the bottom line is, it goes from that that thirty forty thousand bees on up to anywhere in excess of one hundred and fifty thousand bees in in a mm. hive. So you can see the difference, you know. Yeah. Um, and so basically, when they go and they feed. Uh, the honeybee just just will will take all of that and and they they take all of the all of the available nectar and bring it back to their hives and oh. basically so what happens is there is literally nothing left for the pollinator for the wild pollinators right right uh, if you think um, about it, yeah they sort of pollinate in the direction of the wind in general yeah um as opposed to the the honeybee who Really, they once they start on a on, on a crop, and it doesn't. When I say crop, I'm, it, it can it, it can be uh, um, green winged orchids, or it can be um, you know sweet peas. It doesn't matter to them. They will focus on it in that hive until it's done. Mm-hmm. And the surrounding hives will probably do exactly the same thing because they're all pretty much triggered by the by the same behaviors. So what that what that basically means that's why they're so good for pollination um, is the fact that they once they start they don't finish or or, or they will finish it they don't just move on in the direction of the wind or whatever in the next day that they, that they feel like doing so you know that that's the beauty of the of, of the honeybee they're, they're so focused but the downside is something we don't talk about which is it, which is the effect they have on the wild pollinators. Right. And our work with the country parks is about how we go ahead and 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 apply that um, and come up with methods of managing these voracious honeybees um, alongside of rare 
um, wild pollinators, whether whether it's a, a grizzled skipper or that's a butterfly, um, mm-hmm. or it's it's uh, um, a shrill carter bee. Um, they're pretty rare as well, by the way. Mm. Uh, but the bottom the the bottom line is coming up with a way that that both will 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 flourish mm. you know, because there will there will come a time where we don't have what we have right now that's all disappearing and it will disappear mm. if we don't change some of our ways. So from 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 what I can see, that there's getting a stronger abundance of honeybees because of the use of honey. Um, and with the with the destruction of a lot of the natural habitats, there's more of a threat to the to the pollinators. So it's sort of the, the the expanse is widening. Is that would that be true? That's exactly that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and this is this is known. Defra Defra is known about about dead zones for yeah. quite some time, but because. There isn't a monetary value to the uh, to, to the wild pollinators, right. although there is it, it, there is ample evidence to show that they actually do pollinate more than the honeybees, which is a, which is an interesting uh, uh, yeah. little little fact because you would think because as I was saying you know they're, 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 the the honeybee is almost militaristic in its approach. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. From what you're saying, because it's interesting. Because like last week, I had um, John Little on the podcast. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump shit, jump queue, and you, you know, as soon as Stuart's ready with this production, <laughs> I'm release it as soon as possible because it follows on so well. Because he does, um, he does. He's got a grass roof company, and he he really works on a lot of the brownfield sites and things. And he's you know he was chatting about the fact that the A13. Um, where they've stripped all of that land back, and he said it left the perfect environment. Um, I think he said it was like south-facing sh- shingle and different types of um, yep. Yep. sand and that, but all for all, purely for would have been a, a beautiful, uh, wonderful, uh, like almost garden-like um, in the, um, habitat for all the all of the wild pollinators. He said, and then what they then come and do? They store all the topsoil and then come and fill it all in again. <laughs> and it's, it's not even, it doesn't even save money. It costs more money to do it. And it, 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 there's yeah. no people telling these, telling them, or, or they're, not, they're, they're worried about the things that they're taking away rather than what they could leave behind, you know? Absolutely. You know, the science has got to be listened to. And I think that's that. That's the key. That's the key here. Is that you know, there's there's lots of people saying the right things, but we've got to get you know the, the we got to get it in practice as well as in in the yeah. terms. Yeah. And it's probably too late for that now because they've already shifted. I mean, he was in talks, and and, and as far as I can tell, I think they've already shifted the topsoil back on. Um, they have. Yeah. So it that, it, it makes no sense. And that, that could have then gone into the farmers' fields. That could have then, and it could have left all of that, all of that area for natural pollination. It, it's less maintenance. You know, it's it's economically, you know, friendly. It, 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 none of it makes sense, does it? You know, when you break it down, you, you can't understand why people are doing these things on this mass scale. And it just takes one person 
you know, just one person to make a difference, like what you're doing, what you're pioneering and, and, and your thoughts. If people get on board with it and then gradually it does roll out, it makes such a, such a huge impact, doesn't it? Absolutely. It, it absolutely does. Um, just, just that little bit of, 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 you know, conversation and, and, you know, the message gets out. Mm. So it, you know, it, it really does make a difference. You know, those, those few, those small bits of habit change mm. and just awareness, you know, of, of the impact that, that is, it has by, you know, things that seem seemingly are so inconsequential. And well, yeah. sorry. It, it, it just, this is why it's so crucial, isn't it? You know, to that people understand, and as you say, because it's it, it's all this save the bees, save the bees. But then it needs to be broken down more, and education needs to be, you know, it needs to be educated that the difference in that, you know, it's more specific than that. Even while you, what you just said, so, as soon as you've explained it to me, I can see it now. I've got <laughs> I've got like a cartoon image of these. Sort of like Nazi bees. But that's just my that's just my imagination. Don't take the nuts of that. But the bottom line is they are they're very regimented. You know, yeah. as any as any military force would be. You know, they they literally come out and say, and this that you hear all this about the white dances. And that's what yeah. they're doing. They're saying exactly how far, what direction, you know, and, and the bottom line is they're all going there. That's not just one or two. It's not yeah. even half the, the, the total hive that, that's able to forage goes out and does it. Mm. And they do it from the moment it's warm enough um, to the, the, moment it, the moment it is just about to turn too cold. You know, and that's what they do. Um, just, just on that note, bumblebees yeah. fly earlier because they they are more adapted to the cold, um, and also later again because of because of the, the, them being able to handle the the temperature differentiation. Mm. But that's you know there's a there's a, a, a few kind of variations in there because if the hive is healthy, then it doesn't need quite so many honeybees back at the hive to keep it warm. Right. So, so what 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 what's the you know what what's the future then for that? What how can people help with that? Well, I, I think it's, it's all about beginning to understand what, what Sam and I are doing. And, and let me, let me um, give a little bit more background here. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, what Sam and I do is, upon entering into the field that contains the apiary, we, <laughs> we, get the, we get the phones out. And the first thing we do is, as we move to the location in the, in the field where we actually likely to store our gear or, or we basically get ready before we walk over to the hives. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole period of time, um, we have a phone in hand, and what we do is, is essentially we take 
photos of all the pollinators that we see during this time of bringing all the gear in. Mm. Um, and then we may take some uh, some additional photos while we're actually working on the hives. And then we take photos again um, as we uh, um, again as we we leave, leave the, the the field. Now these these photos um, we then take. Um, and we've got we've gone in storage at the moment um, nearly ne- ne- nearly two terabytes of uh, just images of, of of wild pollen. So bear in mind, we we started doing this back just just after two, uh, 2012, um, right. and then we we moved officially onto the sites um, at at Langdon Hills and and Watt. Um, and we've been taking pictures in this way ever since. Um, and so we have a we have a, a, a very good idea of, of what what pollinators we see at a, on a regular basis. But because we upload it into a into a database, um, proprietary of course. Um, but um, we we load it up into a database. I can then take and. And, and search on what did we see, you know, what were the pollinators that we seen, um, you know, during, during April two years ago, or what are the pollinators that we seen two years ago and we don't see now. Um, so that, that covers most of the common um, wild pollinators that, uh, that, that we see. However... Yeah. However, um, you know, we're essentially um, at, the, at the point now where we can, we can cover on a quarterly basis um, from 2012 all the way, all, all the way up to current uh, today. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what that allows us to do is graph, graph out, you know, pollinators that we've seen. We can, we can take it down to the how many grizzled skippers? How many? How many other types of of, of uh, um, bumblebees did we see? You know, back in May, as opposed to what did we see? You know, in the, in in our our first couple of of years, and, and we, can get, we can play with the data. We can get it, you know, so that uh, um, we can either make it very narrow. So we're really looking at. At say you know one type of uh, or one species of, of pollinator, or we can combine them all, um, and and just say okay here's the wild pollinators here's the honeybees we know what happened to the honeybees we got a, we have a record for that. Um, so by the way, what we what, the other thing that we do here is the the we know we know from the type of pollens what what plants the honeybees are going going at um, and so but so the nectar they're bringing back and so we can we can look back um in in april in april we could have seen we could look back at people sort of pollinators we've seen last year or, or the year before um and we can we can make a rough a rough guesstimate and it is a rough guesstimate whether or not our hives are actually affecting those other pollinators and so what we do is if we make that determination, and we do, we do make that, you know, on a fairly regular basis, we'll move a hive out to a to a site that's not having um, the same competition 
Um, and we'll bring that hive back once we see that, that they're all starting to grow again. Um, and that, you know, the, uh, the, the group is, is actually behaving and, and working as, a, as an entire entity rather than just uh, a very strong um, set of hives for honeybees and starting to see diminished um, instances of these other wild pollinators. Mm. And, and we do that very sharpish. So we will actually remove the hives sooner rather than later. Um, and the reason we do that is because it's not an exact science, but the last thing we want to do is impact those wild pollinators that are in, in the park. Now, bear in mind that with all this activity that, we, that, that we're doing, we still manage across all the, all the, uh, the apiary sites to harvest around, excuse me, around one ton of, of honey in a given season. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that in itself speaks volumes for what we're doing and the fact that the, um, the, um, wild pollinators are strong in these areas that we're talking about. <laughs> Excuse me. That's that's incredible. So you, you so it, it still is highly productive, but also it's it, but it takes more work, obviously, than just leaving. Oh, it does. Somewhere. Um, but but so you can have, you can have that balance. This is the thing you're proving that you can have that balance, but it just takes more work. It does. It does. But yes, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, is is you can have that balance, and this is how to achieve it. Yeah. Now, as as I say, as I say, um, it's not an exact science, so you have to make some some educated guesses because mm. there could be you know some someone some farmer could plant this lovely thing of borage at the time you're looking. So you need to know what's what's being done in the surrounding area as well, but we try to be as focused as possible just on the on on the the meadow that we're in. Mm. Um, but there are factors. Um, but like I say, we're 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 more likely to to react sooner than later um, because we don't want to create create that situation. Um, and if we see them, see the, the wild pollinators return as we expect, then we'll bring that other hive back in. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. But that's, my mind is straight away thinking that not everyone's going to take that trouble. Um, and, 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 well, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not having this conversation to to say what I think is wrong or right with, with no. uh, the bee farming community. Um, no. You know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go down that line. No, I can only speak about what Sam and I think is, yeah. is appropriate. Yeah, but me from an outside looking in, it, it seems that that surely, even, even if, if, if some large farms, like a, a larger farms, that they sort of even adopted some of your principles, it would still be a benefit, and that there'd be more balance than there is now. So you know, absolutely. But yeah. you know, it's 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 when you're beginning to apply the business principles 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you don't really worry about anything as long as as, as, as long as the uh, you know the bottom line is increasing. Bottom line, yeah, yeah. But then you know, it, there's a there's a new there's a new concept now. Um, you come in after the after the world's closed, you know, as it has, and and a new this new order and it's about supposed to be about rebuilding and starting the freshness not not going back onto the hamster wheel and you know it's it's times where maybe that there's two types of success you know one is bottom line but one also is effect on the planet so you know um it, it is a time for people to talk to people like you who can show a different way i think well it's just being imagined here and imagine and imagine to I cannot say it. Sorry, folks. Um, yeah, it's having the imagination to be able to, to, yeah. to just envisage and then, and then, you know, basically drive out that vision. Mm. Um, and, and we are not, we're, we're unique in what we do, but we're not the only holistic farmers out there. Of course um, not. No, and, and no. never take away anything from them either. No. Uh, because they're only doing what 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 they think is is, is right in that in, in in a very similar form to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. In, what, where, so where did the leap come? When, when did you start? The, I mean, obviously this is something you've done from day one with it. But where did it then go into the other side of your business? Um, well, porch honey was actually. One of the reasons it was put together is because Sam was reading these articles and basically I said to him, look, Sam, you know, we're going to have to do something other than just honey. Uh, because mm-hmm. one, honey is a, uh, honey, honey is a, is very seasonal. Um, and, you know, that's not a, a good way to base a business, um, is to have your business only able to function during, you know, the first, you know, five, six months of the, of, of, of the year. Mm. Um, and so, uh, he's looking at, at, at various articles and, and, and whatnot. And he came, he came to me and said, well, you know, the one thing we don't do that we could do, um, and, and there's some other things in that, by the way, Sam and I won't harvest pollen. Um, and and that's from an ethical point of view, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. <laughs> um, but he came up with the idea of, of harvesting bee venom. Now that's really quite interesting. There's some ethical elements to it, and uh, and and so we we had a real think about what we could do with it. Initially, we we started off with with what the industry does. On, only on a on a much smaller scale, we found a we found a, a bee venom collector um, that would that would use um, microvolts rather than or microamps rather than uh, than basically you know thirteen volt batteries to generate the, the or, or create the condition for the bees to decide they they want to sting. Um, and at that point, then they basically sting down on this glass plate. The glass plate then has the bee venom collect on it. It then dries, and then we remove it, and then we purify it. Um, so we started that. Again, that started in 2012. Right. Um, and we spent a lot of time 
getting to understand not only how to how to do the the purification process, but we also thought, well, okay, we get we do this by by generating this electric uh, this, this electric um, and that induces the bees to get angry and and, and sting. Um, and by the way, that, that is, it's quite interesting in bee venom collection because it actually does help the hive. Um, and just as a, just as a, a very quick aside, it helps the hive because basically when you do that, the hive thinks it's under under threat, so the queen actually produces more more um, more brood. That brood then goes through the variety of jobs that. Uh, that is done for the for the hive, um, but the main thing that happens is come July, August, September, you then have a, a large number of guard bees or bees that protect the hive, um, and essentially what happens is they keep out the wasps. The wasps come and right. and, and and also also brood. And so the hive survives. Yeah. Whereas without this process, it's a little less certain that the hive is going to keep all the wasps. Because what will happen is the wasps will come in. They'll actually take over the hive, remove all the honey, remove all the brood because because they're they're uh, they, they you know they depend on protein as as well as as plants. Um, so they remove everything but the. Uh, um, a, a few of the a few of the the adults they they don't actually kill. So this battle goes on every every year, and and the bee venom collector does generate you know that little bit more production, um, right. and that seems to be, and and it, it docu- we we we've documented it pretty thoroughly um, <laughs> that it does it does generate enough. Uh, enough new uh, new bees to actually prevent this from happening over over those summer months when the when the wasps are at the worst. Right, right. Um, okay, but let's just let's just keep that in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I wanted, what I really wanted to come uh, come and talk about is in, in terms of the, the bee venom is yeah. we've come up with a with a way, and we are we are in the in the process of. Uh, um, Getting a getting a patent for this, yeah. Um, but we don't. Don't give to too much that. away, then. If you <laughs> no. don't, don't give any secrets away. <laughs> so we don't need the electricity. Right. Right. So no more no more volts of anything, micro right. or otherwise. Right. And and that's what we're using generally, um, as it stands at the moment. Um, and we're, call, we're we're referring to it as is is pa- passive bee venom because right. essentially it, it, essentially that's that's what we're doing is is we're not <clears throat> creating a situation where where the, the bees have to be angry in order in order to do what we want. Yeah, it's fascinating. But it's 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 been fun. It's been fun getting the getting to the point of being able to yeah. do this. And, yeah. and figuring out a way that we can do it that that is far well in our opinion far better for the bee. Yeah. Um, but we still get we still get the same reaction. So yeah. 
the hives the hives have more guard bees. Um, and, and, and lots of people say, oh, well, the hive becomes very aggressive. Well, of course it becomes very aggressive because there's so many more guard bees um, yeah. available uh, available to the hive for the protection of the hive. So it's it's a natural expected thing that that they are going to be more sort of like, hey, stop doing what you're doing. That's my home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's it, essentially that that protection is still there. We're still we're still getting, um, you know, we're, we're we're still getting the hive in a in a state where where the wasp is is less likely to take it all. Yeah. Um, and just to give you an idea of the scale of the problem, you know, wasps, once the wasps actually, it was so they'll get in two or three different times. They'll then assume the, the scent of the hive. And so the, the bees will no longer challenge them. <clears throat> and so they just come in and out as they, as, as they please. And as fast as the, the, the bees are putting honey in, they're taking it out. Yeah. Um, and so the hive basically then, Dwindles because it, one, it doesn't have any any brood being produced because the wasps have taken them, and they've also taken the food stores. Right. The hive then basically sometime during the fall, certainly certainly during during any any real cold snap, that hive is no longer going to be viable and will die during the winter. Right. Right. So the, the, as well with the with the the gathering of the bee venom, it must be such minute amounts. Um, it, it, it is. It is really. It, it is really painstaking. And let me put it yeah. that way. I mean, we're when, the average bee when it when it stings. I, I think it's it point zero zero two. I, I think I seem to recall that there's an eight in there. Um, but uh, but you know you're talking about minute amounts. Yeah. And so you have to yeah you have to organize the bees in a, a fairly prolific way to get them yeah. to come out and and actually work on the plate. Now we do it outside of the hive. We also have a configuration that we use where so the so we can get them to to, to work inside the hive. Right. That actually produces more bee venom inside the hive. The only issue is um, because there's so much bee venom in and and, and bee, you know attack pheromone in such a, um, a, a such an enclosed space. When you open the hive, they tend to be very grumpy at that point. Did <laughs> um, you go on? <laughs> absolutely. Well, we don't we don't want them to react that way no. in in general. Um, no. You know, we we use as little smoke as possible, if if at all, yeah. um, <laughs> to ensure that. Uh, um, and, and I'm sure you've seen in, uh, some of our our social media posts. Yeah. Um, basically, Sam carrying back a uh, a frame of honey with no bees around. Yeah. And that's that is a perfect example of, of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so that we're you know our. Uh, you know, we're having as little impact on them in their home as possible. Yeah. And so, when when it comes to harvesting the uh, the bee venom, what what are then the uses and the applications of it? Well, there there are a number of uh, of, of medical trials and and researching that that that's happening currently. 
Um, it used to be quite valid for someone to say, oh, well, there isn't enough evidence of what bee venom does, you know, for the skin or, you know, for cancer or whatever. There are, there is considerably more, more medical papers out um, as, as, as it stands now. And so that argument doesn't really stand anymore. There is right. a lot of research that's being done and, and currently being done or has been done and currently being done. Um, <clears throat> so essentially, essentially the, we harvest bee venom. The bee venom we can use in skin care. Yeah. Now, that, that basically causes the skin um, to, or the body, to send where you apply the bee venom. Uh, to to your skin, it actually will will bring uh, red blood cells. So it'll actually remove bacteria that may may cause um, or or will cause the bacteria or uh, um, acne and and this sort of thing. It'll also um, cause the skin cells to generate elastin and and collagen. Those right. are the two primary uh, primary um, um, enzymes that that uh, or peptides, where however you want to want to say it. Um, essentially, both are the two that you really want to get uh, get produced. Uh, elastin, as it as it as it sounds, causes a tightening of the skin, and yeah. collagen causes a plumping of the skin. Yeah. Now these are all natural processes. Um, yeah. That are that are being generated. Um, the trick is is to get the right application of bee venom without causing the body to go, oh, hey, this is this is any good for me. Um, obviously, never never use bee venom if you have a, have any sort of issue with uh, with with bee products. You know, yeah, you know, just. Just don't go there. It's just, it's yeah. just not necessary. There are other ways to generate uh, um, collagen. Not so much elastin, but there are some things um, yeah. naturally. There's, there's lots of ways to do it, you know, in, in, in sort of a hybrid form. <clears throat> so basically there's medical processes and, and uh, you know, we hope, and I, and I have, have been staying up with uh, with. with some research uh, about bee venom and cancer, um, and right. particularly brain cancer, um, oh, which yeah. is very interesting. Yeah, um, and and pretty pretty exciting. Mm. But you know that is you know I don't I don't want to turn this into a, a in, in, into a, uh, a you know a, a, just a, a boring science lesson, um, mm. but there are so many different different types of of uh, uh, processes that are being that are being done right now and investigations, um, just just fabulous, absolutely fabulous to read. Um, the same can be said for propolis, which is also known as bee glue, but it has 352 different different um, active ingredients within it, which breaks down to enzymes. Peptides. There's all. There's a wide plethora of uh, um, active ingredients. <laughs> Again, there is there is a, a lot of uh, um, you know studies that are that are being done. Um, 
and trials. There's all sorts of things going on, um, which makes it very, very interesting. Um, and Sam and I refer to um, the, uh, the the propolis as as our little miracle worker because it, it actually given given the opportunity in the right condition it controls most of the the different uh, types of of, of bacterial. Uh, bacteria and 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 some viral. In fact, it's been proven uh, to you know uh, basically remove from your skin when it's applied. So you know, there's so many different different components to what the, what the bees do provide. Now, I respect people's opinions when you talk about uh, um, you know animal products. Um, yeah, of course. Clearly, yeah. clearly, there's no testing being done by uh, by us um, on any animals, but <clears throat> and I respect the, the the vegan approach, which is you know no animal products, mm. um, and the the thing the thing is for us um, is we had to find a way to to make the, the company viable and still be able to support these processes. Um, you know, to help the the wider environment, mm. and and that's really what the what what B Medics is all about. It it really it really um, it's the cornerstone to be allow us to do the science. Mm. And that's the product range, is it? B Medics. Yes, that's the 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 skincare product range. Um, mm. It's called B Medics. There's a, a, there's face there's there's a variety of, of, of serums that we put together mm. um, from a from a hand serum true to a face serum. We've got mm. a, a face mask. We've got um, a face and body scrub. We have a, a, a body serum, um, and each of these have been been tailor made. And what we have done. Um, and much to the dread of of uh, of, of business coaches across, <laughs> across the, the the you know the world um, is that is that we allow choice. Yeah, so it's, quite, you can, it's quite bespoke, isn't it? You can you it, can it, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You don't like an easy it, life, do you, Kim? You don't like. Okay. <laughs> I, I love the challenge. I love the challenge. Yeah. I, like, I like to. I like to be off off topic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if if I wanted to be like everybody else, we'd have done a cream, and that'd have been the end <laughs> yeah. of it. You know. Nobody yeah, yeah. Would, nobody would yeah, you probably could have, and you probably could have got in a mainstream uh, product manufacturer and just sort of lift off the income, but. You like a challenge. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Now the bottom line is is uh, that means that we don't have to use um, biocides because there's no yeah. water, and of course the right. cream is 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 up to about sixty percent water, and right. so you know and that's where our propolis comes in because that's what what gives them our 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 products its longevity without without biocides. Um, so yeah, with Bimetics, just just as an aside, um, the the brand Bimetics um, actually contributes fifty percent of its income 
to Port Honey. Uh, right. And what that does is allows Port Honey to do the work with the with with, with the, the wild pollinators yeah. um, that I was describing um, just a little bit, just you know, just just earlier. Yeah, and I, and I've I've seen the price point for a lot of the bee netting stuff, and you know, for, for something that's so bespoke, it, it still is very uh, very good value, and and it's also helping with the other work of the porch honey. So I think people would be quite interested in it. You know, it's definitely not a niche product for the elite. It's uh, it's affordable. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really impressed with it. I, I, I will obviously have all the links at the bottom of the podcast so anyone who's, who's interested in it can, can look it up. But the bottom line is, is one, we love the science, but the mm. other thing, is, the other part of it is, is we like doing what other people say you shouldn't do. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you, because <laughs> they're, the they're the people that interest me. <laughs> and anytime, it, it, just as a, a reference, anytime I see, I, I, I see Stuart, I, uh, <laughs> I spend too much time talking about bees. <laughs> that's why I introduced as the bee man you know it's just I, I like to keep it to the point you know <laughs> so it's it's all available online um, but people can choose to, to sort of create it to their, their specification is that right? That's, that's absolutely right we actually do have uh, an updated range that Sam has been working on um, that's going to be even more bespoke than than where we're at at the moment. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be um, a, a powder range where right. you're going to be able to choose a base, and then you're going to be able to choose four additives to go into this base. It's just fabulous. Now, mm. again, we're providing choice, and of course, choice is 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 a bad word when it comes mm. to selling on a website. Mm. But we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Good for the customer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is that's my house phone in the background. Take the notice. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't in the fancy studio, folks. <laughs> it's probably been my mum saying, Stuart, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And... Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got the giggles. <laughs> but, you know, this whole thing has been a has been a labor of love. You know, yeah. the bees that we spend so much time with. You know, the, the science to to produce the uh, uh, the work with the skincare. It's all just it's just something that we we love. And 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 I know I know that comes across. It also comes across a little bit mental as well as I think you can tell. Oh yeah, wonderfully mental though. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, so people listening, they they can go on the website. So I have all the links on there. And um, so what's what's the you know before we finish, what are the future plans? You know what's what's in the pipeline that you want to do for the future? Well, uh, the future is we want to, we want to, to take what we do with the with the honeybees and we want to expand it with with other country parks 
Um, right. You know that that's the big thing. Um, in terms of in, in in terms of B medics, what we want to do is go further down the the line of self select. Um, and we want to give some alternatives. Mm. That's that's what it really comes down to. Is you know natural really means natural. It doesn't mean oh okay well that's a derivative. That's fine. Um, it really very basic, very well put together, you know, and very effective. Yeah, and that's the that that's the that's that's the key, and that's where we're driving. That's where we're driving to. Yeah. Well, my friend, I I, I love your passion. I love I love your ethics. Um, I love the products, um, and you know, we need more kooky, crazy people like you in the world, my friend. <laughs> um, mad Americans. <laughs> Kim, it's been a great pleasure talking to you, and um, you know, uh, you just keep on being you. Thank you, sir. I certainly will. Thank you very much, Kim. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Again, thank you as well. Thank you. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.